1: God talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a Tuesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. We had a basketball pod all ready to go for you on Tuesday morning, and then late Monday night, Ohio State got a five-star quarterback, and we said Chris Holtman. You're on hold. So we have that pod ready to go. It's a reset of the basketball team. We'll get to it at some point in the next couple of days or next week or whenever. But right now we have to talk about Dylan Rayola, who is the first member of Ohio State's 2024 recruiting class. I don't even say the news, Stephen. Who is listening to this and is like, oh, they got to commit? It happened late. It's on the West Coast. It happened at like 11 Eastern, yeah. eight his time. Is that right? He had an announcement ceremony at his church. Is that right? He did.
0: He did. Okay. Yes.
1: Okay. So, you know, it happened a little late. Stephen has now texted on it. Uh, Stephen has multiple stories up at cleveland.com slash OSU about it. I have one quick little story up. We'll keep adding to that because ain't nothing bigger than a quarterback commit. And this is a very big one. We want to talk about the player and we want to talk about what it means for the 2024 recruiting class. But one of the things that really intrigues me about this, Steven, from the strategic standpoint, From the Ryan Day quarterback whisperer standpoint, from Corey Dennis getting out boots on the ground, he flew to uh, Arizona last Mm -hmm. night and was there for it and put up little cactus emojis when he landed on his Twitter account. This was Ohio State going head to head in not exactly Lincoln Riley's territory, but he's certainly closer to Lincoln Riley than he is to Ryan Day. That he played his last two, his first years of high school football, Dylan Royola did in Texas, but now he moved to Arizona. And USC is one of the places that he had visited. And this is the brand new Lincoln Riley. If Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day are the two quarterback guys that we think of right now in college football, Lincoln Riley just made a step up so he could go to a better place. And who wouldn't want to go play at USC for Lincoln Riley? And this kid, 19 months before he can sign, Stephen, committed to Ohio State. That's different. And I know Lincoln Riley just got there, but still, Lincoln Riley's there now. Nobody doesn't know that Lincoln Riley's there. And for Ohio State to win a Texas slash Arizona slash Hawaii kid and beat Lincoln Riley USC for him, they also beat Texas, they also beat Bama and everybody else in the country. That's different. That's new. We know Devin Brown had been committed to USC and then flipped to Ohio State. Maybe he had been committed to Clay Helton, USC, Mm -hmm. and then maybe they tried to get him back, but that was different. Lincoln Riley's established now. That matters to me, Stephen. How big of a deal is that aspect of it? Because Lincoln Riley would have taken this kid right now as well, right?
0: Lincoln Riley thought he had him. That's how. Yeah, they beat Lincoln Riley, like, flat out. And Let me tell you how. Dylan Raiola was here for the student appreciation day practice. And obviously that was a little bit more of an informal thing. So he's walking around the practice field while they're doing stuff, kind of just hanging out with CJ Stroud, talking with him. And from my understanding, Dylan fell in love with Ohio state and Ohio state fell in love with Dylan on that day because what was supposed to happen next. And this is why Jaden Davis was coming to the spring game. They would rather not have multiple five-star quarterbacks on the campus at the same time that's just not smart recruiting dylan raiola was supposed to be at usc for the for an unofficial visit the same weekend as ohio state spring game but instead he and his family went nah we really like ohio state so we're just gonna flip this and come to ohio state instead for the second trip and i think it was like three weeks at that time and I don't want to say that's where he made his decision, but from that point on all momentum was pointed at Ohio state. And he's basically been on commit watch since for basically a month now.
1: Okay. Okay. And I saw, I think Dylan has said that he actually committed to Ryan day that day at the spring game Mm -hmm. and has been just
0: waiting has been a silent commit until he announced birthday was a, yeah, his birthday was on Monday. So that would make sense. Why? he. And so
1: he was turning how old? 17, not 16. Right. He's he's finishing the end of his sophomore year of high school. He'll be a so he'll junior be in the fall. Yeah, he'll be My sixteen. God, that is young. He's young. These kids today. So this is a big deal. And I like I do think, Stephen, that that tells us something. Now, it's, it's not exactly a coincidence. Right. Because Ohio State has been operating in this quarterback region because Jack Miller was from Arizona and Mm CJ Stroud is from California and Devin Brown was from Arizona and then Utah. And this is where they go. This is where a lot of the quarterbacks, because they have seven on seven, because they have spring ball, because the weather's nicer, they just get accelerated in their development. And we all understand that Everything in recruiting is accelerated these days, and it doesn't mean that a great quarterback can't come out of the Midwest the Midwest or the Northeast. Drew Aller is a great quarterback from Ohio, but he kind of wound up in a situation where he really popped his last 12 months, 14 mm-hmm. months of his college football, of his high school career. And we're looking at, for instance, again, in a world where you see where guys have committed – Stephen and this is the cycle for Ohio State that Jack Miller kind of started it off it was back when Urban Meyer was still the head coach but Ryan Day was recruiting quarterbacks Jack Miller committed to Ohio State on July 1st 2018 17 months ahead Kyle McCord committed to Ohio State on April 30th 2019 19 months ahead Mm -hmm. Dylan has committed to Ohio State on May 9th, 2022, 19 months ahead. Quinn Ewers even committed to Ohio State 13 months ahead in November of 2020. You know, this is, they've had Devin Brown late in the process, CJ Stroud late in the process, but their goal is identify, pursue, Mm -hmm. persuade early. And we have examples of how they have done that. Now, the guy who happens to be the Heisman candidate was late, and one of the guys who came early is at Florida, and another guy who came early is Texas. It doesn't mean it works out perfectly, but this is the plan, and I don't think it's coincidental, Stephen, if their ideal plan is going to be, let's try to get this quarterback in early, so we have our first pick, because they're picking, they're not recruiting, Mm-hmm. We get our first pick, that guy comes in and becomes a leader in the recruiting class. If they're going to get commitments from quarterbacks 19 months early, they may continue to dance in the South and Southwest because it that, that accelerated developmental timeline feeds into that, right? And you have asked Ryan Day a lot over the years about how do you want to assemble a class? When do you want those first commits in? Who do you want to be the leaders? You look at Kyle McCord. He was the number two recruit in. Yes. In his class after Jack Sawyer. Those two guys were ready to roll. Uh, Jack Miller, he committed in July. He was the number four guy in his class. Dylan Rayola is the number one. He's the first guy in 2024. So that he is not from here, that he is from where it is warm, that Ryan Day and Corey Dennis have to go beat Lincoln Riley at USC and Steve Sarkeesian at Texas for these guys. This, this is probably how it's going to keep going, right? That it's, they're going to continue to wind up being very interested in quarterbacks from this part of the country.
0: Yeah. The whole Quarterbacks committing almost two years before they sign is pretty normal. I mean, Lincoln Riley's got the same thing going on with Malachi Malachi, uh, Nelson right now. He committed back when he was still at Oklahoma. He committed like two years before in the 2023 class. He committed in 2021. Clemson does it all the time. So this is how this works. Quarterbacks are on a different timeline than everybody else. Ryan Day wants to find his quarterback and he wants to find his highly rated defensive player. And then those two and then he wants to find the Ohio guys and they lead. In 2021, we saw it work perfectly, even with COVID. You got Jack Sawyer, you got Kyle McCord, and then you got Jaden Ballard, Ben Krishman, Smith, and all those other Ohio guys, and then you end up with the number two class in the country. It was working that way in 2022 when you got C.J. Hicks, you got Quinn Ewers, and then you got like Jair Brown, Integrity Shibola, Shibola and all those guys. It's just things happened and it got a little weird. 2023, there's not really a, they might not end up with a quarterback. We'll see. That's still kind of up in the air, which was kind of, Okay, I don't think that they were pushing hard to begin with, and now they're pushing hard, but not really. Um, And so they're working on other positions. But now in 2024, you see them getting back to how they want to do things. They've got Dylan Raiola, which I mean, you get him this early, that opens up a wide range of possibilities of who you might be able to add with him. Jeremiah Smith, who's from Florida, who's the number one wide receiver in the country, has already got crystal balls to Ohio State. You Know that's top, yep. t- that stuff tends to happen when you get a five star quarterback two years before he's supposed to sign a piece of paper, and so that and so who are going to be the Ohio guys? Who's going to be the highly rated defensive player that joins him? De La is in, so you can check that off.
1: So, why him though in this class? Because as you said, Jaden Daniels, right now, what's his last Davis. name? Jaden Daniels, yes, Jaden Daniels is the guy who was at Arizona State and then transferred to somewhere else, yes. Jaden Davis. They were really interested in him for a while. And then it sort of, it clearly became one or the other. And as you were explaining, Dylan Royola comes back for the official for the spring game. And then Jaden Davis does not come to the Mm -hmm. spring game that day. It feels like Ohio State in the end made a choice, right? That they prioritized Dylan over Jaden. And that's why this went down this way, right?
0: Yeah, it's fit. And in the terms of, I mean, if you look at everybody in Ohio State's quarterback room right now, they're all 6'3", 215, basically. They're all around that. Jaden Davis is 6'1", foot one ninety, and it doesn't seem like he's going to get much taller. Um, so he doesn't necessarily fit the Ohio State mold while DeLarayola is 6'3", 225. That, that, that's he, the simplest way you can put it.
1: And I think, like, all everything goes into everything. Your processing matters a lot. Your intangibles and how you carry yourself matters a lot. Your intelligence matters a lot. Your athleticism matters a lot. But when you are talking about these two guys who are two of the top three quarterbacks in their class, they both have everything. Yeah. And then if it's close, Ohio State's gonna go with the six-three guy over the six-foot guy. They're gonna go with CJ Stroud over Bryce Young. Is that right? Is that wrong? It's pro style. That's what Dylan Royola wants. They want that size quarterback who can stand in the pocket and read a defense and make those throws. Do they want to have a little athleticism to get out and move around? Sure they do. And you watch Dylan Royola highlight tapes and he has some of that. seems like he might have a scooch bit more than CJ, right? When it comes to Mm -hmm. that, which is again, CJ has enough, but that in the end, Steven, when they were really in on Jaden Davis, was there any part of you that was like, Hmm, they're really in on this six foot quarterback. Were you a little surprised by that? Or we've often talked about the idea of, do you want different body types, different styles of play in your quarterback room? Or would you rather have kind of really similar guys? So when one, if one is hurt, if one um, leaves for the NFL and you slide the next one in, you're running the same types of plays because they have the same types of skill sets. What did you think, when it maybe felt like Jaden Davis was going to be their guy.
0: Yeah. I don't know how much height matters when you're going into your sophomore year because everybody's still growing. And so you're maybe it's a little bit more projecting when you're talking about size and they did make Jaden Davis a priority last summer. He came here last summer for a camp. That was his first time being in Columbus. And it was like, that's the best quarterback in the country. He had all of that stuff going on. And then they brought him back because they had like a barbecue in July and he was the only quarterback. In any class, they made it a point that, that he was the only quarterback there. And then obviously he came back for two game David. So there was a time where that happened. But as you know, teenagers grow and you're like, okay, he's six foot five, eleven right now at 15 years old. But maybe by the time he's 18, he looks more like the size of, of a quarterback we want. while Dylan riola I'm not gonna say he was a late bloomer because he's 16 years old and he's committed to one of the best programs in the country, but he just wasn't as much on their radar the way that Jaden Davis was on everybody's radar. And so a year later, Dylan LaRiola is six, three Jaden Davis, isn't six, three. And so if, if, when it comes down to, if they both give you everything, it's the same reason why when we had the conversation about who we think will be the number one pick between Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, we all picked CJ Stroud when they all can do everything you nitpick. And the nitpick here is one, six, three and one's not.
1: Yep. Okay, we'll take a quick break. We'll talk about some of the other factors that seem to make this guy fit as an Ohio State commit. Next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice back with Stephen. means good time to be a texter. Woo! We didn't send it at 11 o'clock at night. That's just not what we do. We kind of shut it off around 10 Eastern. So if you were waiting for a text, you know, at 1130 Eastern, we're just not going to do that to you because you can tweet stuff, but like your phone doesn't buzz for a tweet. Mm-hmm. Although I guess people set notifications. I don't have notifications set on anything. I don't want to be notified. I want to, you know, if I need to go get something, I will. But then I trust our tech service. And like, we're only sending you what you need to know, but we're going to respect, you know, night, night time. So Steven sent out a three text chain on Tuesday morning, not just telling you what happened, but explaining everything behind it. We have some more stuff that we'll share as we talk to people. And as we get a even firmer grip on what's happening here with Ohio State, getting this huge commit in the class of 2024. Another thing at play here, Two things that I just think Ohio State has a history of doing pretty well with. One is the educated football family. Dylan Royola's dad, 14-year NFL player. And he played at Nebraska. He's a lineman. And there was a vibe, just reading some Nebraska content, that you know, Alabama's in on this kid, USC's on this kid. Nebraska really thought they were in on this guy, right? Like that's yeah, but but sometimes. When you get the very educated football family, and it is a rare thing, and I'm not saying that the families, that other families are uneducated, but if you have a person in your family who has made their living on high-level football, you just understand it. You just understand it in a different way than if the parents in your family are teachers or nurses or accountants or anything else. You just do. So this family understands that. And I always think, Stephen, that Ohio State seems to do pretty well with those families because, and this sounds like you're kissing Ohio State's butt, but it's like, I just think when you dig in a little bit, and I had heard that like the dad was asking everybody, everything. Dominic Riola was all over this and left no stone unturned. And I mean, I guess it's not a surprise. I'm sure Alabama or USC or other schools would say the same thing. It's like, turn over all our stones, do it. Like we want you, we want you with a high level understanding of high level football to ask about us, ask about the strength and conditioning, ask about NFL development, ask about, you know, any educational stuff, ask about nutrition, ask about the training staff, ask about all of it because Ohio state feels pretty good about it. And I just think a lot of times They do pretty well with the families who live, who have lived football.
0: I think NFL families, football families understand that there's more to it than just reputation. And there's this idea of like, just because it worked out for CJ Stroud doesn't mean it's going to work out for me. Where. A lot of times, and that, that goes across a lot of different positions where you'll say, why, why do defensive linemen commit to Ohio State? Well, because Larry Johnson turned Chase Young, Nick Bosa, and Joey Bosa in the NFL, all pro players their first year in the NFL. Well, that doesn't mean it's going to be that way for you. But if you don't come from a football family, you just see, look what he did for these three guys, and I'm just going to be next on that list. But if you're a JT Malow who comes from a football family, even if it's not the NFL level, you're going to ask the, okay, how'd you do it? And not just to be enamored by the fact that it happened. So again, his dad's a center,
1: was a second round pick in the 2001 NFL draft out of Nebraska. uh, Yeah. Out of Nebraska, went to the Detroit Lions, played his whole career, played 14 years in Detroit. And then after his playing career was hired as a strength and conditioning coach in Detroit. That's the second thing, which we have talked about a million times. They find the guys with little connections that this is a kid who he himself is a Hawaii, Texas, Arizona kid. His family understands the Midwest. His family's not afraid of snow. His family can say, Hey, like that's comfortable to us. It doesn't feel like we're leaving home to go somewhere that we don't know anything about to have somebody go to Ohio. So when you have that, Doesn't mean they can't get kids in the South or Southwest with no Midwest connections. But when there is a Midwest connection, they go whole hog in on these kids. And this, again, is another one. So it's a football family that understands the Midwest. And then once you do that, Stephen, it almost like doesn't matter where they're from. Because Ohio State feels like this can feel like home to you as long as you kind of get it. We can't change the weather here. We can't change that we're not near an ocean. We can't change that it snows. We can't change that, you know, it's 20 degrees and 70 degrees in the same day sometimes, but if you get it at all, then we're good to go. And that is not a coincidence that, I mean, his dad couldn't control. If his dad played for the Seahawks for 14 years or played for the Rams or the dolphins, maybe Dylan's not committing here, but he played in Detroit for 14 years. So they're not scared of Columbus.
0: How the how the Lions decision with a second round pick got Ohio State quarter, Ohio said another five-star quarterback. That's the real story here.
1: Something that to, happened yeah. in
0: Michigan helped Ohio State, ironically enough. But yeah, it's almost like Ohio with national recruits. The first thing Ohio State has to ask is as a human being, forget football for a second. Just like as a human being, could you see yourself living in this environment? If the answer to that question is no, well, okay, we've probably got our work cut out for us and we're probably not going to win this. If the answer is yes. Okay, cool. Then let's do this. Let's get it. Let's get into this process.
1: Yeah. Because if it's, if it's going to be like a, if it's going to be a wall, if it's going to be like, Hey, no, we like your development and Oh, we like the uniforms and cool. Then it's like, "Eh, I just don't, cuz guess what you have to do to play at Ohio State you have to live in Ohio for 3 years yeah you can't like you can't zoom into games you have to live here so i don't think anymore there's you know again guys want to go where they fit but um i guess i don't know is this is right was this Matt Millen possibly Matt Millen Dominic Riola was picked in 2001 Matt Millen former Penn State linebacker, sort of failed general manager of the Detroit Lions, took over in 2001. I'm guessing he took over before that draft. So why Matt Millen is responsible for Ohio State getting Dylan Raiola. Matt Millen, he's a broadcaster still. He's been on the Big Ten Network. He's around. He'll talk to us about that. We can go give Matt Millen credit for (laughs) helping out Ryan Day and Corey Dennis with this recruitment. So, um, So once they figure out the cultural fit, and then the kid does seem to have the package of skills, seems like he drops a deep ball in the bucket. He is a little sometimes you watch him is like his back foot's off the ground a lot when he's making some of these throws. Off platform throws. He's,
0: a, bros, he's yeah. a little
1: off platform. Uh, you know, like which is not, you know, who's off platform, Patrick. Uh-huh. Ball. So yeah. so listen, I do think they'll get, I think they have to get you, you have to be on platform before you can get off platform.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So again, he's a kid. He's got two years of high school football left. He's got plenty of time. But he's not going to look like that throwing the ball when he, if, and when he makes his first start for Ohio state, he'll come in here, he'll get the quarterback teaching. But then if he has that in him a little bit, right now do what we teach you. Mm -hmm. And now it's getting a little loose and someone's chasing you and you're running towards the sidelines and now do what you got to do. Drop in that pixie dust that makes you special, but he dropped. There's sometimes it's hard, Stephen, because all the highlights are deep balls he drops a deep ball right in a bucket, like time after time, after time, after time. It's like, what's this highlight as 50 yard completion. Okay. Can I, can I just stop looking at 50 yard completions? Can I look at a 12 yard out? It's like, Nope, here's a good. 60 yard completion, but man, there's a lot of 50 and 60 yard completions from this guy.
0: That's cool. But you only get like three of those a game. It's not like like no one's throwing 24 deep balls at a football game. So as kids, as great as that highlight is, that's not, Being a good quarterback, that's just having a cool highlight play. And the Patrick Mahomes, I understand he looks like Patrick Mahomes playing football. He actually looks like Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to get so sick of the Patrick Mahomes comparison with this kid. But yes, it's really funny. Um, Ryan Day has a mind as a starting quarterback. He's got two gunslingers sitting behind him. and He's got a gunslinger on the way in 2024. And they're all going to drive Ryan Day crazy. And I think he might just like embed C.J. Stroud film
1: into all three of those guys brains, because I do think in the end, part of the conversation and the continuing conversation we have about CJ Stroud, I think we might really arrive at the final decision of like CJ Stroud is, is like really the ultimate Ryan day quarterback because they are simpatico man. Like they Mm -hmm. think it. And then CJ is more athletic than Ryan day. Of course, Ryan day played at New Hampshire, Mm -hmm. but CJ is not the most athletic quarterback in that room, but he has all the athleticism he needs to go with the way he thinks the game and the way he delivers accurate passes. And Ryan Day is like, yes, yes, yes. And then Justin Fields was a little bit like, hey, coach, is it cool if I stand back here for nine seconds and try to wait for someone to get open and, like, no. shed <laughs> shed six sacks? And Ryan Day was like, throw it out of bounds, throw it out of bounds, throw it out of bounds. Mm. So he is – this is like a little reprieve in between yeah. the field to McCord to Brown to Raiola. This is the Stroud reprieve, the two years of calm. Like, the, ah, wasn't that so easy in retrospect? And then, like, calm McCord's going to be like, let's roll. And Ryan Day is going to be like, throw it out of bounds, throw it out of bounds, throw it out of bounds. And Kyle McCord's like, is it okay if I stand back here for 11 seconds and try to send seven sacks? It's like, no. So CJ, Hull CJ come back and like uh, give speeches to the quarterback. So they'll just put like a big, like a fathead CJ Stroud on the wall. Just be like that. More of that. And Devin Brown and Dylan Rol will be like, uh, is it okay if we stand back there for 14 seconds and try to shed seven sacks? No. So they'll just have drills. We'll show up at practice one day and, and Devin Brown and Dylan Royal will just be throwing the ball out of bounds. We'll be like, what's that drill? It's the, the CJ what drill. it's the CJ drill. It's the make Ryan day, happy drill. And Justin Fields will be visiting. Justin Fields will be like, man, I hate that drill. And CJ will be like, Oh, I love that drill.
0: They're going to be breaking it down on what would CJ do?
1: Yeah, seriously. This is, is like CJ. So, but you know what? Like, Get supreme talent and then teach him how to play the position. Yeah. Because I feel, especially these guys want to be taught, Steven, right? That's why yeah. Dylan's coming here. He wants to be taught this stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, and to be fair about this, I think Ryan Day was a little bit more throw the ball away, throw the ball away, throw the ball away in year one of Justin Fields. Because then when we came back and asked those series mm-hmm. of questions after the Nebraska game, he was like, yeah, well, sometimes he's just going to do that stuff. Yep. I do. So even with CJ, I'm a little on watch for. What's the cool thing CJ does that Ryan Day wouldn't let him do in year one, but now he's an experienced quarterback that he lets him do mm-hmm. in year two, and he doesn't complain about it. Because with we, but because it's CJ and it's more it's mine, you don't see it as much. With these three, you kind of know what it is. Kyle McCord is going to try to fit a ball somewhere where he's not going to fit. It's not supposed to fit. <laughs> yep. And the year and in year and the problem is we might not get two years of him. Uh, Devin Brown is going to run around and do some Johnny Menzel stuff and then throw a forty-yard bomb. And then Dylan Raiola is going to do his best Patrick Mahomes impression. And they're all going to drive Ryan Day crazy. But in year one, it's like, just stay there in the pocket and throw the ball. Don't do anything else. But in year two, when you have my trust, that's when I'll let your personality shine. And I do think it's like, what's the thing that CJ wants to do that
1: Ryan Day has to let him do? And it's like, call the plays. (laughs) It's like, like, CJ, what's your dream? Is it to run around for nine seconds? He's like, no, I just want to run the offense myself yeah and that's where they may get later in the year and uh i know i was watching i i was watching a dylan rayola interview i think it was with berm on letterman row and he was saying like i was somewhere and like cj stroud could said like can we run this play and ryan day was like yeah and like that like dylan liked that it's like oh cool mm-hmm. like like the quarterback taking ownership and the coach giving that to him and it's like and ryan we've asked a lot about that the ryan days they're going to get more and more of that we're going to have to it's going to be very interesting to watch this year when they do the check to the sideline, is it nobody's you're no know, longer checking the sideline, you're checking to CJ because CJ's figuring it out. So I think uh-huh. that control of the offense is what CJ wants, as opposed to like the permission to um run around in the backfield if nobody's open. So in, in the end, um it's decisive, it's early, and it feels like a guy who fits Ohio State, and they just have to get past like the geographic component. But again, they're in this area that they are not. This it's really interestingly interesting and strategic because they're not getting quarterbacks from Florida and Georgia and Alabama. They are not going into the heart of SEC country. They are continuing to go Southwest or West where there's not the obvious competition. And there is now, now there is obvious competition, which is where we started. It's with Lincoln Riley, but they have, they, they have a foothold there now. And it's interesting, Stephen, that in the end, Jack Miller did not have a long, successful on the field career here at Ohio State. Uh, there's a part of you, you feel bad for any guy who has to deal with injuries. He was a really highlight when he committed to Ohio State in t- July 1st, 2018. At that point, his 247 composite ranking was higher than Tate Martell. It was higher than Dwayne Haskins. Mm-hmm. It was higher than anybody they'd recruited in the urban Meyer era. And then it wound up being much lower because he got hurt. And by the end of his career, he was of his high school re- career. He wasn't viewed the same way, but he opened the door a little bit for them in Arizona. And they've been really successful in Arizona and Texas still doesn't have its feet under them. although they got Quinn Ewers, but they I think Ohio state just obviously feels really confident in Texas, Arizona, Utah kind of stuff. We'll see if they go back to California. They go back to LA for another guy like they did with CJ Stroud. That might be a little more locked down with Lincoln Riley now. But if you're in Arizona or Utah or Texas, like you might have to get on a plane anyway. We might, we might look back 10 years from now, Stephen, and six of the next 10 quarterbacks are, have Arizona, Texas, Southwest roots because they are playing a lot of ball. They are get, getting developed quick and Ohio state, I think in some ways can feel like a hometown team to quarterbacks out there.
0: Yeah. That's also just been where the quarterbacks have been right lately since, especially since Spencer Rattler was the number one quarterback in the 2019 class. Um, they've just kind of been in the Southwest area. I mean, you just mentioned uh, Quinn Ewers maybe from Texas, the K club Nick was from Texas. Um, that's just where they've been at is southwest area and in california i think 2025 is where this gets interesting and i know that's pushing it way out there but it's like ryan montgomery who's luke montgomery the 2023 commits little brother um might end up developing he might be the next Drew Aller, so they might not have to go anywhere to get a quarterback mm-hmm. if they're already in on ryan montgomery and so it's i don't know how much of it is like we're just dominating the Southwest area for quarterbacks. I think they're just dominating the Southwest area as far as like recruits because Denzel Burke's from there, Lathan Ransom is from there, B. John Robinson, who should be a Buckeye, is from there. Um, they're just kind of dominating that area as recruits, and it just so happens to also be some really good quarterbacks coming out of there. I think they're just going wherever the quarterbacks are.
1: Yep. That makes sense. Uh okay, let's come back. There's one more aspect of this that I want to talk about. And it's about the 2023 quarterback situation. And we'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Lannery back with Stephen Means. So I do think this is interesting. Now, people know that I'm Mr. Recruiter, backup quarterback. (laughs) I'm alone. And that's okay. But there is this feels like there's a strategic component of this, Stephen, that I look, there are uh, Dylan Royola is the, highest ranked player in the class Mm -hmm. to commit. There are only six guys in the top 100 in 2024 who have committed so far. And it feels like a lot of the other major contenders are spending a lot of time on Arch Manning. He's the number one quarterback in 2023. It feels like, I think he said something the other day, he might be down to Alabama, Georgia, Texas. Yeah, But that is a fight because... Arch Manning's good. And Ohio State just like never really got involved there. And they jumped ahead. And while a lot of it, because Alabama is in on Dylan too, right? Mm -hmm. Texas is in on Dylan too. Yeah. So, but there were no Ohio State got pretty laser focused on 24. They skipped over 23, and they got laser focused on 24 with Jaden and Dylan. And they decided who they wanted first, and then they, they got them. Mm -hmm. And now they'll go back to 23, but the result is at the moment when you start projecting out, even if you think Kyle McCord might be here as a two-year starter, if you think that, it'd be McCord. So Stroud will be gone. 2023 at the moment is McCord and Devin Brown. And those are the two quarterbacks that you know are going to be on the roster. You don't Mm -hmm. know exactly who the other scholarship quarterbacks are going to be. Then 2024, if you think McCord will be here in year four, maybe as a second-year starter, Then it's McCord, Brown, Rayola. Those Mm -hmm. are your three guys in 2024. They don't have a guy in 2023 yet. And I think it's going to be really hard to get a five-star guy to come here in between Devin Brown and the class of 2022 and Dylan Rayola and the class of 2024. And I do think Ohio State, they've talked to some guys, but I think this is where a little bit we are seeing not the, it's not to be worried about, but I think we're seeing the reality. I think there are quarterbacks in 2023 who have been interested in Ohio state who want to play. And Ohio mm-hmm. state has been very realistic with like, listen, man, like if, if immediate playing time is the number one thing on the table for you, this might not be the place for you. And I think they sell development. They sell long-term they sell being in this room. They sell working with Ryan Day. But everybody understands the deal. Now, Dylan Royola, by skipping a year, you can sell all the development things, but also pretty quick playing time. Maybe not as a true freshman, like if Kyle McCord's still here in 2024 as a second-year starter, and Dylan Rayola is a true freshman, it's like, okay. But then he's ready to compete in his second year It's a head-to-head battle with Devin Brown right? The job, there's an opening for you at the very least. Um, Or if Kyle McCord leaves and it's Devin Brown, then maybe it gets a little more complicated for Dylan. But I think that gap helped with their recruitment here, Stephen, that, but now if they, I think, I mean, they need a guy in 23. I think they have to get a high school player in 23, but I, and you've mentioned this before. I think they're looking for a Mac Jones type who's willing to come in, in the middle between these guys be developed not be guaranteed early playing time, see what happens. And maybe they wind up with a quarterback who's ranked in the 200s or 300s who's willing to do that. But it feels like the guys they've maybe talked to so far in 23 just haven't been as willing to do that, and it's a crowded room.
0: Yeah, 2023 was weird. Um, everything you just said, they were that was the case last year because they had quit yours. <laughs> so it's like – Dude, you're not like, he's the guy long-term here. You're just not going to come in here and play right away. You just have to understand that. And so I don't want to say they weren't recruiting 2023 quarterbacks because they had a bunch of guys camp last summer. Um, It's just they were slow planted for good reason. Um, and then Quinn Ewers reclassified and it threw everything off and they went into scrambled mode with a lot of different things. But then they ended up with Devin Brown and we don't really need to rehash that entire thing. But the point is they ended up back where they were last summer where you've got a 20 a 21 a 22 and you, your focus is on 2024 for your next big time option. Now they're doing their due diligence with guys like Dante Moore, who at this point might, is probably their best chance of getting a highly rated guy if they're going to pull that off. But realistically, they're either going to end up with a guy in the 200s and they'll probably pull a guy late because they haven't offered anybody new. Um, So they'll probably have a a lot of guys camp this summer and see who they like and probably offer somebody or they just might portal it in the name of like, I even asked that is having four quarterbacks an absolute must every single year. And he kind of backed off that, that idea that you absolutely have to have four quarterbacks. And if that's the case, well, then why not just have three guys that you know have an opportunity to potentially play here? And then you just find you a portal guy. Those are the options now. Find a guy in the 200s or 300s, or just when CJ leaves next summer, you just go find a portal guy.
1: So it is hard. I'm looking at the top 24 ranked quarterbacks by 247 Sports in the class of 2023. And one, two, three, four, five, six. Only six of the 24 are uncommitted at the mm-hmm. moment. Headline by Arch Manning at the top. That goes down into the 400s. So this is the reality we've just talked about this a lot because I love this kind of recruiting strategy stuff and of course they have strategies and then things happen and you change. But if they wind up, Devin Brown just wound up being a Quinn Ewers replacement. It's like they thought they had a big time guy in 2022. That guy reclassified to 2021. Then he left and they got a different big time guy in 2022. It's just Devin Brown instead of Quinn Ewers. So when you think about it now, I just like CJ's 20, Brown's 22, Rayola's 24. They have a McCord in 21. They're not going to get a McCord in 23. I don't no. think they're not going to get a guy at that level. And I do think over time it's hard to do it every year. It's hard to do it every year. Unless somebody in the cycle, if they're going to be on an even year cycle, unless somebody on an even year cycle leaves early and now of all of a sudden there's an opening or something happens with an injury or whatever abducted by aliens. So I just I think it's interesting but that they I do this the way that it happened They had a guy in 22 who was probably scaring off 23 guys. Then he reclassifies to 21. They wind up with, and then leaves. They wind up with a different 22 guy. But as a result, they're kind of behind with the 23 guys because of the Ewers thing. So they skip over 23 and go hard on the best guy in 24. Man, that's some strategizing, Steven. That's some QB strategizing.
0: It's understanding that I understand the goal is to go get a guy every single year. But as we've talked about, there was eventually going to be a cycle where everybody says no. And, but if you just approach it the same way all the time, then you're okay. <laughs> okay. They, they don't get anybody in 23. You know what your answer to that is? A five-star quarterback at 2024. And it's as if yep. it didn't even matter. So that's, and this is quarterback. It's, it's it's more highlighted at quarterback because it's such an important position, but Brian Hartline's gonna run into this at wide receiver. Larry Johnson's running into it at defensive end at sometimes, and cornerback runs into it sometimes. It's every position runs into. It. If Bijan Robinson would have showed up, you wouldn't have Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor here. So it shows up everywhere eventually when you go after high level guys every year. When you're not like Bama and it doesn't feel like you're a machine, just like running guys off all the time.
1: So Arch Manning's number one in 2023, uncommitted. Malachi Nelson's number two quarterback. He's for USC. Dante Moore, as you mentioned, he's from Michigan, from Detroit, uncommitted. Then it's a guy committed to Tennessee. Then it's an uncommitted guy from California, Jaden Rashada. Then a guy for Oklahoma, for Clemson, a guy who's 100% crystal ball to Alabama, a guy 100% crystal ball to South Carolina, Louisville, a guy 100% crystal ball to Kansas State then Purdue, Arizona, Missouri, North Carolina, Florida State, Baylor, Iowa State, Pitt, Iowa, Old Miss, Penn State, Utah, Arkansas, and now you're down to the 497 player in the country who's 100% crystal ball to Mississippi State. So could you come back and, you know, just throwing out names, Marco the third from New Jersey, who's committed to Iowa, the number 368 player in the country. Could you come back and flip a guy like that from Iowa? If you say, hey man, you're a guy for 23, come learn, develop. I don't know, right? I mean, it's like the Mayan Williams kind of thing, but like they're okay. So you feel, I. it's almost one of those, like you feel better about them getting maybe a lower rated guy in 23 because you have the, the highest rated 24 guy. By some measures, he is the number one quarterback, number one player in this class. By the composite measures currently, of two, four, seven sports. He's the number three quarterback, number eight player, but I think in two, seven's own ratings, he's the number one guy. So yep. because you have Raiola, you can now go back to 23 with confidence and look for a guy who wants to be developed. And I think they know that. I think they know that they don't have any illusions about that, but it's a, even if like, they normally don't talk that way because it's like when you're, when you're lined up in a row, it's like best guy, best guy, best guy, best guy, best guy. But then you jump And you're like, oh, we've got enough best guys. If we have to double back now, we're okay. Oh, I love strategy. While everybody's, while while the world chased Arch Manning, Ohio State jumped to determining whether they wanted Jaden Davis or Dylan Rayola. And they got the jump on the 2024 recruiting class.
0: Which also shows you what they thought of Arch Manning, where it's like, they probably put their filler out there to see if they could get him. And it was like, now you know a Manning is not coming this far north. Cool. Dude. We're gonna move on to twenty twenty four.
1: Yep, for real. I mean, like that's that's how you do it. That's how you do the because you got to put in the time and the work and the energy. And there's mm. only one Corey Dennis. There's only one Ryan Day. There's only one Kevin Wilson to go around. There's only one Mark Pantoni to watch film and strategize on these guys. So I think this worked out. This is a bit. I think they think he, this is a big upside guy, right? That I think the size is there, the arm is there, the processing is there. The family background, the understanding, the what they want is all there. Um, and so in the end, he's a little bit far away, but Detroit's right, right down the road. So I, it, when, when it happened, uh, Stephen, on Monday night, like, were you surprised? Or at some point in the process, when it felt like they were position, tra- transitioning from Jaden to Dylan, were you surprised or were you just like watching it and thinking like, oh no, I see what's happening here. This makes sense to me. I
0: think this is how this is going to wind up. No, I'm not surprised. He's a Buckeye at all. This has been kind of bubbling for a little while. Was I surprised that it happened at 1130 at night? I mean, sure. Because that's not what you're thinking about doing at 1130, but no, I, I think once he left, once he came back for that second visit for the spring game, it was only a matter of time. Because that's the thing. Official visits show you how much a school is interested because they're paying for it. Unofficial visits show you how much a kid is interested because they're paying for it.
1: Yep. Okay. All right. Dylan Rayola. he's the first guy in. in the class of 2024 has a chance to be a pretty darn good recruiting class. This is a big get for Ohio State. And, again, when you think about uh, the overall 247 rankings of the Ohio State quarterbacks that they've gotten, Jack Miller at the time that he committed was the highest-rated quarterback in the two four seven rankings in the urban meyer era and then the five quarterbacks that they've gotten since then are all rated higher and that order mm. in overall ranking is quin ewers had the perfect rating Dylan rayola is second and then third was uh Kyle McCord and then fourth was Devin Brown and then fifth was that guy who uh is a high the the pick <laughs> So I mean that that's the order, but like that's the level now. So it's Ewers, Rayola, McCord, Brown, Stroud are all now. T- Terrell Pryor was really high ranked but like c- when you compare to like they're as good as the recruiting was in the Urban Meyer era, th- that's where they were just going after a different style of quarterback. And a guy like JT Barrett was never going to be rated as high mm-hmm. as the guys. But this is this is the level now. Like if you're not in this range, you know, now this 2023 kid probably won't be, but This is how they're working it. And this is Ohio State recruiting. It's not that we didn't know it, but I did like one of these things, Stephen, the Quinn Ewers thing was a little goofy. So it's not that you doubted them, but the Quinn Newers thing was a little goofy. And then they went Devin Brown, Dylan Rayola. And it's like, okay, it's fine. Right. I mean, it's like, what, Mm -hmm. like, and other than like telling, having Arch Manning show up on Ryan Day's doorstep and be like, I want you. This is about, as good as they could have done in sort of resetting that room once the perfectly rated quarterback went home to Texas.
0: Yeah. I mean, you pointed out the, the, the ratings. Ohio State's had six five star quarterbacks in its history, and three of them have showed up in the last four years. I mean, that's, that shows you right there. And then, like, five of the top uh, high, eight highest rated quarterbacks in Ohio State history are Ryan Day and Corey Dennis is doing. But in the moment, it is kind of like, whoa, they they flipped Quinn Ewish from Texas. Whoa, he's showing up early. Whoa, he's only been here for two months and he's leaving already. What is going on right now? When really it was just no, that's the that's the circus that comes with Quinn Ewers because he's famous. But in the moment you have to talk about it for what it is in that moment, even if you know whatever Quinn, even back when I first talked to Jaden Davis, he understood that they weren't going after 2023 guys. It was always going to be this idea of like you sit behind Quinn Ewers for a year and Mm. then you take over. So even Dylan, it's uh, fine. Let's take the names off of it. The 2024 guy was never going to be the starter as a true freshman. He's going to sit behind, whether it's Kyle McCord, year two starter, or Devin Brown, year two starter, or Kyle McCord's a starter in 2023, and then Devin Brown's a starter in 2024, and they're both one-year quarterbacks. Ryola knows he's not starting as a true freshman because as much as we talked about it with McCord, and as cool as it is that Trevor Lawrence did what he did, and, you know, Tua coming in in the national championship game you'd rather not have your true freshman who just showed up here eight months ago, but you starting quarterback. Like It's That's not mm-hmm. how you planned it. Even Bryce young didn't start as a true freshman. So it's, it's fine. Everything worked out perfectly. The point is in 2024, they preached you sit for a year and then you compete as a second, second year guy. And that's still the plan. That's still in place.
1: All right. Sorry. We're getting this to you a little later again. Hasn't even been 12 hours since the guy announced his uh, commitment officially. Uh, we'll get that basketball podcast to you later in the week. We're going to do some preview stuff. We have a Notre Dame-Ohio State preview. We're going to start previewing all the opponents week by week. Start off with Notre Dame-Ohio State. Then we'll have a podcast sort of talking about Ohio State versus Notre Dame recruiting, which we think is interesting. We'll probably get to something about C.J. Stroud versus Justin Fields, the NFL quarterbacks. And if there's more Dylan Ralea we need to cover, we'll certainly double back on that. But, Stephen, we have 19 months <laughs> until he signs. And then he'll sign in December, and then we'll have another month until he shows up on campus, and then we'll have another eight months until he's part of his first game, and then we'll probably have another 12 months until he makes his first start. So uh, we are uh, 39 months away from Dylan Royola starting for, <laughs> for Ohio State at quarterback, but for now it's pretty exciting. All right. He's Stephen Means. Make sure you're reading all the recruiting coverage at cleveland.com OSU. I'm Doug LaMaurice. We appreciate you guys making Buckeye Talk part of your week. And that was Buckeye Talk.